This is More Than Before with Nathan Cook. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am excited for our guest today. He has started 12 business in his lifetime. He is an author on leadership, personalities, and marketing. He has built a multi-million dollar business, but I think what's most important about him is his ability to not only connect with people, but to add value. And I know that for thousands of people, they've actually reached out to him and quietly expressed this, that he has impacted, he's changed their lives whether that was in a small moment in time or whether that was over a long period or duration. You know, I myself was blessed uh, by him over 10 years ago with him speaking into my life. And so I'm really excited to have him on today. Uh, Such an honor and a privilege. Uh, He is also, I have to mention, he is an amazing dad of five spectacular children and a poppy to nine, nine wonderful grandchildren. Royce White, welcome to the show today. How are you doing, my brother? Nathan, thank you. I am I'm doing exceptionally well, but I'm getting better. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, it's a joy to see you and talk to you again. It, it has been 10 years. And um, just I, I think back to the time we spent in Guatemala and just around the John Maxwell team, just talking and get to know each other and uh, just seeing where the Lord has led you. And mm. uh, it's just uh, just been a, an exciting time uh, to look back on that. It is it is quite remarkable and crazy to think that for 10 years. I mean, I've I've been in contact with a lot of people over this last decade. And there aren't very many people who I haven't been in pretty direct contact with, especially people who have had an impact on my life. And it's funny cuz I think back to those moments. I mean, I mention you in my story very often of of this gentleman who comes up to me and he's talking to me and uh, just the impact that you had on my life. And it's funny because when I reached out to ask you to come on the show, one of the things that you you said and was shocking to me, in fact, it, it, it caught me off guard so much to the point that it brought me to tears because you said that you think of me often and you pray for me. And there's something about that that was really, it really cut me and, and hit me to my core that, man, there are people in our lives that we don't even know about, that we've maybe had one small interaction with that are still in our corner. They're still praying for us. They're still lifting us up. And so first of all, I have to, I have to thank you for that because, um, all man, I could use every prayer (laughs) that I can get, but I am curious. Um, do you, do you remember, uh, an interaction with me, um, in kind of the lobby area when we were in Guatemala? Do you, do you remember that interaction? I do. What I remember is is the lobby specifically. Um, I'm, I, I can see it perfectly right now. I can't remember what we talked about, <laughs> but I can I can see that interaction. Um, yeah. It's one of the few things that I remember from Guatemala. Um, being there, being in the president's palace, um, a couple other places. But um, you know, early morning. I don't know if you went with us some early morning walks. About uh, half a dozen, a dozen of us. Um, just getting some exercise and clearing our heads, kind of things. And of course, they said, "Yeah, don't, don't, don't be doing that." Um, but it was uh, it was a great time, no problems. It was good. So, so if you remember, um, go ahead. I do remember. It, you know, it was it was after our first day of training, and it was it was in the evening. We had just come back from training, and I I remember everyone talking about how amazing their training sessions had gone. Now. For a little bit of context, I had just gotten into the speaking world, into the coaching world. I knew nothing. I was greener than green. And, you know, I, I went in thinking, 
I got this. Like people have told me I'm a great speaker. I'm just, I'm going to wing it. I'll be great. And I remember going in and I remember I was, I was, I was slated to actually speak with 50 pastors from around the nation. And I went in and it was abysmal. I, I just <laughs> continued to get question after question after question because I didn't follow what the process was. It was mm. a very specific laid out process. Like it was, it was, it was the process for dummies and Nathan was not following the process. And so I came back and I was listening to everyone talk about how amazing their time was, these transformational stories. And I really just got down on myself. I remember sitting in the lobby and just being really frustrated and upset with myself. And this guy comes over, didn't even know who he was. He just starts talking to me and he asks me what's going on. And I said, well, you know, this is kind of what happened. And he said, well, Nathan, what you need to do is you need to go back to your room and you just look at the manual and you just need to go out tomorrow and follow the manual piece by piece. Don't go off of it. Just read it. If you have to, it doesn't matter. And you were, you were so kind to see me where I was to encourage me and to say, you know what? It's okay. If you have a bad day, just get back up and keep going. And that truly was a, a catalyst. I didn't know it back then, but it was a catalyst in my life to realize that, yeah, I can do this, but it takes effort. I think a lot of people don't realize that life takes effort when you're getting into it, right? Amen to that. You know, it's probably the biggest encourager I give, uh, even to this day, is simply uh, Zig Ziglar's old uh, concept that, look, failure is an event, not a person. And all of us are going to mess up some every day. And if we can turn around, stop, think, all right, what do I have to do? Back up um, and launch again with what we believed to be correct. Because um, the key is, is if we're, if we're just doing and not following a pattern, even if the pattern is wrong, mm. we won't know whether to turn left, turn right, go up, go down, whatever it is. We'll be done. Oh, that went well. Why did it go well? That went badly. Why did it go badly? So we'll never grow from it. We'll never get a little better tomorrow. Next day, next day, we'll just always be wondering. Mm. So if we set our systems in place, okay, this is what I'm going to do, succeed or fail. This is what I'm going to do. And at the end of it, we can say, hey, I'm never going to do that again. Um, then we've learned that, okay, that aspect that I was going for isn't going to work here in this situation. Yeah. Maybe never. Um, and so there, I, therefore, I can, I can actually um, put together a system for learning and growing. Um, the key is, is learning to learn. Mm. Um, uh, my bride and I taught uh, swing dance for a number of years. Our, our kids competed. And they'll teach you um, a single move, a simple move, uh, something we call a kickball change, uh, where with one foot you kick, uh, then you put that foot down and you tap the other foot, the ball of your foot, and you change feet. All right. It sounds a little complex without seeing it. Um, but the idea behind it is there's three simple little moves. And so, therefore, we, we learn those moves. We teach those moves. Um, now, for each of those, I told them to kick. I told them to do this. I told them to do that. I told them to do that, how to change weight and everything else. But at the end of it, next week when I say do a kickball change, okay, they don't have to learn every element again. They just, oh, okay, I know what that is. And they, whoosh, one, two, three, they've got it. 
And after years and years and years of putting things together, um, you will have learned how to learn so that you're dancing for 10 years. You're learning leadership, uh, whatever it happens to be, personality. It doesn't matter what it is. But once you've learned aspects of it, then you've learned to learn. Someone can come in and say, oh, let's talk about dominant personalities. Okay, it's not, well, what's a dominant personality? You've learned about personality. You know what dominant is. Mm -hmm. So again, you've learned to learn. In the beginning, it's going to be difficult. We're going to know nothing. Who is it? I guess it was John Maxwell who said, you know, I, you know, I don't know anything about 50,000 things. You know, it's, and that's the truth for all of us. There's just millions of things we don't know. I can play a mean saxophone, but there are things that, that I can't do, even begin to think about doing, if you will. So, yeah, I mean, it's true, and it's it's interesting because when we when we niche down, when we focus on one thing, you become really good at one thing. It's 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 quite amazing how many people start to think that we're experts in other things. Hmm. There's there's kind of that uh, it, it's there's the exchange of oh well, you know, if Royce is an expert in hot sauces or barbecue sauce, then obviously he's going to be an expert in ketchup or he's in condiments, period. Which is it's just not the case. Which by the way, I think that's kind of a really cool accolade that I don't know a lot of people have, but you have one of the world's best barbecue sauces um, that are out there right now. I, I, you have so much experience in so many different areas of your life. Like we could go in a number of different areas, but I'm, I'm really curious kind of of your origin story of where did, where did Royce come from? How did you get to a place of success in, in your working of, of all these different kind of areas that you've kind of specialized in? Not, I mean, we were just talking about how you know, you have your specialties, but you have some pretty eclectic specialties. <laughs> what was life like growing up and what decisions did you make to kind of get you here to this point? Yeah, interesting question. Um, and, and I think just this past week, um, did I discover fully why, interestingly enough? So at the end, of it, I can certainly give you the the why it's it's i think been that way um and it, it's not a good thing uh, mm. in in itself but it's a good thing um in what it is produced i think uh, actually i was born in dc washington dc there's very few of us uh, that um, are, are around here that uh, were born in, in washington i think there's like three left of us you know in virginia but no but um and I, I grew up in the shadow of Washington, D.C. all my life, Virginia, Maryland, <clears throat> and uh, went to uh, school, um, graduated high school in, uh, in Maryland, um, went to actually um, studied music and um, a performance major, uh, saxophone for four years at uh, Towson State up in uh, Baltimore area. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be a musician. And they say only two people know what they want from a very young age. And those are mathematicians and musicians. Uh, And so I've always, I was, I think, eight when I wanted to uh, to be a musician, started playing Mm -hmm. clarinet. I wanted to play violin, but my parents said, no, we don't want that squeaking around the house. So here, have a clarinet like it didn't squeak. Uh, So I I grew up doing that. I did lots of things throughout high school, et cetera, and music and just following a music as a path. I, I was a jazz musician and I uh, wanted to, to play big band that led in certainly a little later on when we got into swing dance, certainly uh, my, my bride of uh, um, 
45, 46 years. Wow. And, uh, um, but I, I also had a minor in marketing. Uh, I, I loved finding out why people do what they do and applying it to how to help them, how to get them what they need. But I came out of uh, uh, college. I got married uh, right, right away. And um, I, I couldn't support us at the moment. I hadn't done anything musically. So I, I went to work uh, in marketing and did marketing for, gosh, about 13 years and um, went up through the ranks to executive VP of the company <clears throat> and uh, was pretty much done there, starting a new company um, on my own then and building companies throughout that period. Um, I started a magazine called Family Recreation uh, right at the beginning of uh, the Gulf uh, War. Hmm. Uh, and right and basically all the marketing tests we did said oh this is going to be great this is going to be awesome it's a good idea i was excited about it the war hit everybody's eyes came off of fun and recreation went straight on you know the war and totally dried up etc so hmm. um, all the money we spent on the marketing test was well worth it certainly but so anyway, I've, I've started, I had a, a music um, instrument business in between those. Um, I had a uh, media manufacturing company for a number of years, 20 years or so, um, that we produced and uh, manufactured CDs and DVDs. My dad was a, an entrepreneur before me, so it's in my blood. He was always at home, always um, building business. He wrote 50 books on, on uh, electronic engineering. He was, he was the number one engineer in his field in the world. Absolutely amazing in what he did. I, I, I learned from watching more than listening to him because I was one of those kids where he just didn't spend any time. He was always working. Hmm. So I, I had no, no real father figure there. And uh, it's, it's hurt me a lot in the in the, the years after that, just in, in terms of things that I would have done differently, uh, you know, had I had a father that really took an interest in me and helped me grow in different mm. things. I saw he, he was an amazing man in creation in a lot of ways, but I saw bad leadership. I didn't know it was bad, though. Uh, I saw in his company uh, bad leadership, but I didn't know it. So. In, in, in the companies I worked for before starting my own, uh, I learned well what bad leadership was without knowing it. So here I am doing dumb things, bad things, without realizing that uh, it wasn't the right thing to do. And then even starting my own businesses and doing the wrong thing because I was simply doing what I had learned. And then finally learning there's, there's something wrong here. Everywhere I go, it's wrong. So it must not be everyone else. It must be me. <laughs> um, so, and then about that time, as I had started to learn, as I had grown some of this other business, um, quite quite large multi-million dollar business, and I was interested. I'd done a, an enormous amount of reading in that last business that I had, and a lot of, of uh, marketing, a lot of uh, leadership, John Maxwell, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy. I mean, the list went on. I was literally reading three hours a day. Wow. Um, just putting everything I could into my mind. They were my mentors. I was getting everything I could. Then um, joined the John Maxwell team and 
um, I wanted to pull from the guru of the world and uh, in leadership. And so uh, when I went there and I met people uh, like yourself and others that uh, had a passion for true leadership, and that's when I went from learning about uh, doing things to working with people and um, understanding that leadership and life is about people, always has been, always will be. And from that point on, it allowed me to turn around everything that I knew that was wrong, seeing it and starting to build my own understanding. Fortunately, I, I look back on all those bad things and had a great understanding of the good things, the right things, uh, as a result of having all those bad experiences, bad uh, ideas, bad concepts, everything that was in place. Um, great examples for me and others to be able to share. You don't want to do this. That was pretty much um, within that, um, that, that sphere. It was a number of businesses that uh, some failed, some succeeded. I, I grew and learned uh, how to be a, a good entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur, if I needed to be. Um, and coming uh, into an, uh, the John Maxwell team, starting uh, the Keras Group, which is uh, uh, my company that does coaching and teaching and um, personality training and uh, i i started learning about personality and it totally uh grabbed me because i always want to know what makes someone tick yeah what is it about you um, that makes you who you are and learning personality um is just an absolutely a fabulous thing because 99% of what happens to you in your day, all your days, um, is a result of your personality, like mm -hmm. it or not, that it just is. And so once I learned personality, it allowed me to understand myself, where I'm wrong and where I need to change from, uh, from uh, uh, the way I act, my behavior, others, who they're all about. It just allowed me to really understand people extremely well, helping them much faster, much further, much deeper um, in their quest for understanding and being a leader. We're all leaders, either bad ones or good ones, but we're leaders. And if I can help a person become a good leader, I can train them, I can mentor them, I can coach them, and it'll take a while. If I start with personality, I can shortcut that down by probably two thirds. And Damn. it's just an amazing factor. So um, in the midst of all that, I, I um, you know, had five kids and, and uh, nine grandkids and maybe counting, who knows, um, <laughs> and um, enjoy uh, working uh, with church leaders and with um, businesses and individuals, married couples, um, pretty much any type of group of people out there, um, if you will, um, to help them understand themselves uh, personality-wise, um, to learn how to lead themselves and lead others. Mm. And that, that pretty much brings me to, the, to today. And what I had mentioned that I just learned, um, actually I heard, got it from a sermon, um, just talking about understanding who we are and what things have made the changes in us over the years. And my personality, and it was, a, it was a personality thing, of course, is one that likes to bounce from item mm -hmm. to item. I just, I just 
love to try new things, do new things. It's very much why, um, you know, I started businesses, why, you know, I go out and, um, you know, as a musician, uh, I was an editor, I was a publisher, um, I was an um, architectural and uh, drafting designer. Um, I was uh, a swing dance teacher, you know, just <laughs> the list because it never tires. It's what can I do next? Instead of just sitting, being quiet, rejoicing in, in God and listening for his voice instead of always listening for my voice. And for the past 67 years, that's what I've been doing is just listening to my voice well and not listening to his voice well enough. Yeah. And um, it was a great sermon. Um, <laughs> it hit me hard, but it was good. It really mm. showed me. It's going to allow me, I think, to settle down a little more finally. You know, I, I love your story. There's so many different pieces within it. And I, I'm I'm actually curious you know, watching your dad as an entrepreneur, watching him maybe not as affectionate, not involved in your life, how has that played a part in the raising of your kids? Because I think it's really fascinating. You know, we live in a world right now where most parents pass their kids off to an educator, um, someone that's going to educate their child, and they have really no say, they have no um, hand within what their kids are learning right now, which is, which is, quite dangerous because there's a lot of stuff that's going on out there that a lot of people aren't aware of, of what their kids are being taught. And that's not just here in the U S that's all over the globe right now. And so I think it's really interesting though, because back when you were raising your kids, it wasn't necessarily common for a father to, uh, you know, be educating, right. For a father, most fathers were going off to work, coming back. And, and that was what they did for you though you took a very specific centered role in teaching your kids. And we're not talking just a couple of years. We're talking about from when they were in diapers to when they graduated from high school. What was that process like for you to kind of make that change from going from maybe a situation and environment when you were growing up where you didn't have that interaction and maybe that pouring in to completely doing a 180 and saying, you know what, I'm going to have a huge role in my kid's life in terms of what I'm going to teach them and the things that they're going to learn. And, and they're going to know these things. What was, what was that process like? And what was that switch for you to say, you know, this is the kind of man I want to be? Uh, a couple of things. One is, is that uh, the, the real full deep credit goes to my bride, um, Jody. I mean, she did the real nuts and bolts of the day-to-day -day stuff that they needed to learn. And I did specialty elements, elements that they wanted to learn on um, a couple things, et cetera. Um, she was a stay-at-home mom, um, and it was on both of our hearts to not send our kids out. Um, we wanted to teach them. Um, we were convicted that... You know, it was our responsibility, okay, to present them to the world um, the best we could. Um, we um, we had, you know, a lot of support around us. We were this was the early early days of of homeschooling, in so much as the state really didn't hadn't agreed to it yet, and they were chasing homeschooling schoolers and even potentially putting some in jail. Uh, wow. We had some friends of ours actually camp out in our in our basement for a week when <laughs> they got wind at the from the lawyer that the police were coming. 
Um, wow. So these were the, the early days. Um, I couldn't envision sticking my kid on a bus and sending them away. This is my kid. I love him. I want to spend time with him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I want to inculcate into him the things that I think that are important, um, the abilities. I want him to, to take those things he's weak in and get sufficient in. And I want to take those things that he has interests in and put him through the roof. Yeah. Okay. I have two kids that are full-time musicians. Okay. And that's hard to do when you're not able to spend the time studying, practicing music. And um, I have uh, two other sons, one that works well, the other two, um, I'm uh, the hot sauce slash barbecue sauce seasoning jellies business is actually my son, Dustin's business. Well, he came to me three years ago. I said, dad, you know that those recipes that you make for people for birthdays and Christmas and stuff, et cetera. Can I take those and, and uh, grow the peppers, uh, make the sauce, bottle it, sell it. And so I said, sure. And I was retiring. So I'll help you do it. And I didn't need another business. So he's a farmer. <laughs> so I said, look, I don't want to, I don't want a piece of the business. I just want to help you grow it, et cetera. And so, you know, that's what we're doing, but he's an entrepreneur as well. He's a farmer. He's, he grows uh, the stuff. Um, he makes it, um, he's building it, um, you know, three, 400% a year growth over the past three years. So it's, wow. it's quite substantial in that sense. Um, and we're, you know, looking to do the same thing, looking to get into some major retailers now, uh, with some, you know, good wins on our sauce. Um, I need to send you a bottle because it's, it's phenomenal. Um, in any event, um, and another son is um, working with uh, me in the sales realm. Um, and my daughter is a fire medic. Uh, she is absolutely amazing at what she does. She's been at it for, I think, 16 years. Um, most fire, fire uh, most medics don't make it that far. They usually retire earlier because it's, it's just well, it's a lot of work and uh, very hard. It's a brutal um, industry. It's, it is. And she's now um, does a, um, a blog and um, a podcast and a, I think writes for the largest uh, fire magazine. Um, I'm, I'm not thinking that remember the name of it right now in the country. Um, and uh, she's just she's tackling all the hard issues, uh, mm. a lot of the leadership issues aspect of that. <laughs> It's, you know, she's dealing with issues um, like cancer within uh, the fire service. And that's, mm. that's, a, that's a hard one. Yeah. Um, and, uh, she, you know, you don't do these things, the things that she does easily in there. So they all got an opportunity to, to try their hand at a lot more things and know earlier what they wanted to do so they could concentrate on it. And that was one of the real keys about um, what we wanted to do. Plus, I, I got to enjoy my children. They were there always. Um, fortunately for me, I had just started one of my business, the one that lasted 20 years and uh, really grew fast and big. And um, so I was at home for a couple of years during some of their most important times there. And when I wasn't, I was real close. The company was pretty close. So I could... Um, I could come up and uh, and be part of their learning within that as well. So um, it was well worth it. Um, 
I'd do it all again. I'd make some changes in the what um, we're teaching um, and in some of the things we were doing. But other than that, definitely do it again. It's always interesting looking and talking to people from different aspects of life. Like you, you're, you're on a different aspect. Like you, you're coming down off the mountain. You've reached some really high peaks. I feel like I'm still kind of going up the mountain. Hopefully there's a little bit more to go up. (laughs) Uh, But then you have people that are like low in the valleys and they haven't even started their ascent up the mountain. And one of the things I find that's really fascinating is in, in the culture that we live in, we are so focused on the doing aspect, the things that we need to do in order to get to where we want to be, that we completely forget and neglect the person of understanding who they are and how to craft the world to make it accessible to them in their strengths. And I love that you say this about your kids, that you you looked at your kids and you said, you know, what are your interests? What do you like? You know, obviously you have to have proficiency in areas that they're going to need. Um, you know, we should probably know something about mathematics. Maybe you should be able to read, uh, write. Those are kind of some important things. But one of the things I love about what you say is it's important for us to focus on the desires, the strengths that our kids have, because I don't think a lot of adults do that, right? I think a lot of adults nowadays, they look at their kids and they say, how can we get everything to be great? You know, oh, your, you know, math isn't good. So we got to make you at least an Einstein before we can start moving on to other things. That's kind of what the culture of education is today versus what you've described with raising your kids, which is, you know, how can we get you proficient in the things that you need to be proficient in? But what do you love? What do you desire? How can we light a fire under you so that you'll go and burn bright and go and learn, which I think is a testament even to your kids and where they are today you've instilled that desire, that passion, that love for things because you open their eyes to those opportunities. When you were growing up, was learning always a desire for you? Were you always curious about, you know, aspects of the world and learning? Or was that something that you later on learned? Because I know, I know for myself, um, it wasn't until late after college that I even picked up another book and thought, oh, I could actually get something from this. Like, have you always been studious and, and learning and, and curious? Not studious. Um, curious, always curious. Um, I, I didn't need to to cultivate uh, any idea of, of curiousness because I was just always curious. And mm-hmm. this is back in the day when, you know, you look around the neighborhood today that I live in, you never see anybody out except maybe one or two couples walking after dinner. You never see any of the kids. You never see, they're all inside playing video games. Yeah. So, but we, back in, in our day, we'd be out, we'd be exploring. We'd, we'd be a f- three, five miles away from home, you know, and, and mom wouldn't be outside going, oh, where is he? Um, you know, the, <laughs> it's more like, of... hey, get out of here. I don't want to see you. It's not time <laughs> to come back in the house. It's still light out. <laughs> and we, um, you know, so we were, we were always doing something. We could ride our bikes, far um so it was a matter of uh, until i until i got a real deep interest in music then i started spending more time in my room practicing mm-hmm. wood shedding um but for the most part um things came to me easily i had a pretty good memory um so uh, even if i didn't understand it 
I had the answers. <laughs> okay, here's the answer because I remember it was funny in like eighth grade, uh, seventh grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, somewhere in there, um, earth science. I was sitting there with there four people at every table. It was just like these were your lab partners, but four people. And and we're sitting there talking, and all of a sudden, I, the teacher said, um, what was the name of the mountain that blew up and destroyed the... And I went, Krakatoa! <laughs> and, um, and I look up there, and he's got this nasty look on his face. He comes marching over, and he says, where's your paper? I said, what paper? He said, this is a quiz. <laughs> so we'd been talking amongst ourselves and we, we didn't know that, it, that, you know, he had said taking a quiz cause we weren't paying attention. Um, <laughs> and, but yeah, you know, so he wrote my name on it and he said, now everybody else gets this right because you told him the answer and you get it wrong. <sighs> Mr. Jones. I love Mr. Jones. He's a good guy. Um, but I, it was easy for me. Um, I just, I had a real good memory. I could remember um, anything got me in a lot of trouble um, because, you know, I didn't do as much studying, but, mm. but I would, I'd come in. I, I had it my, my senior year and this isn't anything, anything of my doing. I mean, I was just blessed with it. Um, of course, most of it's gone now. Um, but <laughs> um, the, my uh, 12th grade English teacher was, furious with me all the time sort of because uh, i'd skip class all the time but i come in and ace the tests mm. and my sister hated that because she studied profusely i mean five hours a night she was so faithful um in what she did and she got good grades uh, probably better than me um but she worked hard at it she really worked hard and it, it shows today in a lot of the things that she does um mm. But it was just, it came to me. So no, um, I wasn't studious um, pretty much till after I got, I mean, I I did what I needed to in college. When I got into work, I wanted to know how things worked. You know, that's always my interest. So I started reading and that's where I found, oh, here are the answers in these books. So I'd just get a subject and read. Um, I was, um, became a publisher actually for an electronics journal. Um, because I had created it actually. And uh, there's just an enormous amount I learned about the whole publishing trade and what mm. goes on there and um, book uh, a lot about authoring and, you know, writing books just in every aspect of it. I went through this, this company and learned an enormous amount that I'd later use when I became an author. Uh, there's, there's just a lot that I learned from that. So most of it came um, after school, I'd, I've gotten the things in school that I needed. That sufficiency, sufficiency mm-hmm. in reading, writing, and arithmetic, um, sufficiency in the skills that I generally needed to exist. Okay. And then the things that I wanted to do, I poured my heart into. Well, I just moved that, we moved that up earlier in one sense in our kids so that they started when they were young and mm-hmm. not, didn't have to wait. So when they got, so they're standing on my shoulders. Mm. They can, they can grow from, uh, from, because they learned all these things um, a lot earlier, a lot sooner. And the things that they wanted to learn and needed to learn for what they, they needed to do to succeed. Um, and, you know, I've, um, I've coached, mentored, um, 
most of my kids um, in the past 10 years as mm. they've wanted to do more, be more, and knew, well, dad's got the, the answers here being a coach. And um, so, and it, what some of them would do would bring a friend in and I did it with one of them for like two and a half, three years. Um, we were just constantly going through different um, books and going through different uh, mentorship lessons and, and coaching them through things, teaching them how to be a good coach themselves in their lives. Um, so that my kids have learned how to lead themselves. Uh, not fully. They're still, you know, got things that they they need to learn and some of them you know one of them um i you know hasn't hasn't come to me yet so i'm i'm thinking well one day when they want to you know accomplish um if not you know i don't care i don't care who it is as long as they get with someone you know they nathan can you coach my dad said you were good can you coach me you know it it would be good to um to have somebody i can pretty much especially knowing personality and this isn't credit to me it's just knowing the formula i can can coach someone into success almost anyone almost into the, any success that they want doubly task oriented personalities get to it faster mm -hmm. doubly people oriented uh, personalities get to it slower unless the thing they want to accomplish is people oriented in that sense, but doubly outgoing people, uh, get sidetracked. When I say doubly outgoing, uh, dominant personalities are uh, outgoing and task oriented, uh, inspiring personalities are outgoing and people oriented, but they're, but sometimes you get people with those two personalities, dominant, and inspiring. Those are both outgoing so they're doubly outgoing mm. and so if they're doubly outgoing they get distracted especially the eyes the inspiring types they'll get distracted and it'll take them longer the reserve types they can focus the uh, the outgoing types can't the actually level five leaders are doubly reserved yeah. and you'll find this in uh, not in so many words but what i saw uh, in reading it, in uh, Jim Collins, Good to Great, um, he talks about taking um, the studies that they did, um, and they wanted to find out why, what companies did in order to become really great. Uh, they they took those that were three times the market average at that point, and they had fifteen of them, and they determined it was the leader. Um, he, he didn't want it to be the leader. And he said, it can't be the leader. Therefore, don't study that. And at the end of the book, he's, or in, in the book, he says, but then my team came to me and said, hey, you said we could ask any questions. Well, this question is, why are we not doing the very thing that we think it is? And he said, okay, okay. And he let him do it. And they found out indeed that was it. But within the book, he says, the level five leaders he found were um, resolved and humble. That's what a level five leader has in them. And the resolved, okay, is your conscientious personality, uh, uh, reserved and task-oriented. And um, that's the resolved side. And the humble side is your reserved and people-oriented. You put those together and you've got a level five leader or the making of one anyway, a lot easier because they come by it naturally, if you will. So I disagree with the, the many 
who say that, you know, the natural born leader is the dominant, um, just between you and me. Uh, the, the dominant has to be is, has a tendency to screw the things up the most. Um, yeah, they're going there 100 miles an hour, but um, they're not people oriented. And as a result of not being people oriented, they have a tendency to break it all down, lose it all. And I speak as one who has 97% dominant in me. I'm not a um, dominant as my primary. Um, my inspiring is my primary at 100 percent so but i understand them extremely well and when i go in to help people from a personality perspective learn leadership and be great leaders uh, and succeed you can do it i can do it anybody can do it if they understand it well enough to coach someone Mm -hmm. through to that success so it's it's again it's a formula um with a lot of caveats to it yeah. You know, and, and it's one of those things that personality really does play a huge part in our lives because it is a behavioral characteristic of us, right? Like we're showing up and we show up in a very specific way. And if you understand, you know, the code, if you understand the blueprint of a person of, of how they may respond in a situation, how they may respond to the way that you speak with them or how they listen or how they learn or all these different aspects of a person's personality. It's quite interesting because we can start to encourage the people around us to maybe live life in a different way than maybe they're going because maybe they're trying to use their dominant traits. I think, I think this was something that we both learned actually in the same training is um, people tend to rely so heavily on their strengths and they they put their strengths out there so so boldly that they actually become weaknesses in their life because they overutilize them and they they push them too much you know um in your life i'm curious like what what have been some of those strengths that you've had that you've maybe pushed out there too much that you've had to learn of like okay i have to actually pull myself back a little bit because i i know for myself I'm a very outgoing person. You know, for me, I'm high I, I'm high D. I used to have S, but I stopped caring. So now I'm just an ID. <laughs> Small joke for you guys listening. <laughs> but but what's, what's interesting though is if I'm not careful, I can come off as someone uh, lackadaisical. I'm all over the place, like ah, distracted. Or I come across as someone domineering, too pushy, uh, you know, even, even with you know, like just directing people, I, and just, na- if I see a problem, I'm like, you go here, you go there, you, you do this. Right. And it's very natural for me to do that. But if I'm not careful for myself, I can overplay that hand and it can become too much for people. And they see that as a weakness. I'm curious for you, what has been one of those dominant traits in your life that maybe you thought that was a strength because it is. But it was a strength, but then you started to realize, man, I need I need to dial this back because it is important for us to be able to be in control. I was talking to someone about meekness recently of meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. Hmm. What What is one of those strengths that you've had to learn to stay under control that really sets you apart as who you've who you were created to be? Thinking something is confidence when it's really arrogance. And treating people uh, from an arrogant position. And um, another is making people pay. One of the things that dominance do, I actually had a, a, 
a really good friend of mine once 40 years ago, we we're sitting at lunch or something and something happened. He said, you know, Royce, you really like to make people pay. I, you know, I was, it was somewhat teasing and somewhat, uh, what I was doing somewhat serious and, and hurtful. And, and certainly from my point of view, I was giving myself the benefit of the doubt, but that is stuck with a little me. bit of truth when people say that too, right? It's like, <laughs> oh, I'm just joking. I'm playing around. And you're like, truth eh, is here. You? What, what I think is here. Um, <laughs> and, but it stuck with me, you know, all these years. And it stuck with me because I see it happen. And I go, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm making him pay. Um, mm. And I had to really work. Even in things that didn't really matter, it's like being so competitive, okay? Uh, it's a high dominant aspect. Uh, look at it uh, in one of the, you know, in politicians. Uh, they, they in leaders that, that are high dominant will make you pay and you'll feel it. I, and I've, I've uh, coached, group coached, and consulted and worked with teams and what I love about being dominant, and I think this is why God has raised me up to do this, and having such a high dominant aspect, um, is that I can go into a team that has a, a very high dominant leader. And although they're only 12% of the population, they have a tendency to be 55% of leadership because mm. they're um, very pompous, know where they're going, very assured, you know, um, you know, I'm going to accomplish, I'm going to take this team, we're going to make it happen. And as a result, people see that and say, oh, I want that. You know, I want that for our pastor. Mm. You don't. Um, I want that for, <laughs> um, you know, our leader at this company. So the, the whole point being, again, those level five leaders aren't the guys up here. Not that they can't learn. All right. Not that they won't become level five leaders, but it's going to take some serious learning and the real hard part for the dominance is that you can hit them with the four by four over and over and over again and it'll take them 20 to 40 years to finally go did you hit me um yeah they're, they're just it it's an enormous amount of learning that has to go on and unless there's a significant emotional event in their life or the holy spirit that it's really hard to change yeah not that they won't but it's really, really hard. And, and I've worked with a number of them to see the truth in that, including, you know, my dad for all the years until he even died. Um, um, and he finally made a change actually at 83. Um, wow. That was, the, that was based on the second part of what I said, the Holy Spirit. Um, and so being being a dominant there's just so many things i look back on and i still see in my tendencies it's going no i don't want to go that direction why am i doing that why am i saying it? why am i thinking that and i have to back off and i just have to it takes me an hour to 24 hours to think about things sometimes um, to come back to reality because i'm so mm. upset about it um and dealing with it and really coming to an understanding of what that is. So many things I've worked through, <laughs> but there's so many things that I have, I'm still, I'm still working through on those things. The great thing is, is I have the knowledge now and I have the experience with it to see it much faster instead of, you know, going 10 years and finally, you know, running into someone that, that I had hurt 10 years ago. And, 
uh, realizing, wow, yeah, that was me. And mm. how do I keep those in control dominant aspects and to use to be successful? And how do I put those out of control aspects to death so uh, that I don't hurt others and hurt myself um, with carelessness in, in what I say and what I do? Um, those are probably the, the the biggest things, and they're they're probably I don't know two or three hundred more, but those are the <laughs> just a couple more. <laughs> those are, yeah, those are the big things. But I love what you say about that because it is true that we we lean into those strengths, and we we almost kind of epitomize certain people to be in those positions, not realizing that like even at the leader, the, you know, the dominant leader. The one that we say, oh, that that should be the one leading everyone. Like you think about like a shepherd, like you don't want the shepherd beating the sheep. <laughs> like it, it doesn't really work that way. You have to you have to gently carouse them. You, oh, come over here. You know, now there is a time when the shepherd, you know, gets gets the crook and goes after it's his staff. Yeah. Yeah. But but there is something to be said about understanding how your strengths can play out in your life and how that can really help you. And I, and I love that about really your life, I think you've capitalized on a lot of the strengths that you've had. I think that natural curiosity that you have, there's the dominant style within you that really comes out strong to be able to see where you want to go and where other people want to go and start leading them in that direction. You know, there's, there's so many great things that I think everyone today listening could really even dive in more with you, especially with personalities and those kinds of things. I love, absolutely love spending this time with you because I know I've learned a lot. I know everyone listening has learned and gleaned a lot from your wisdom because you truly are a wise man. It's not just, you're not just a knowledgeable man. You're a wise man. You, you take information and you apply it through a filter that other people can really start to use in their life. So I really love that you, you came on, you really just downloaded into all of us. So I want to thank you for that. Royce, I do have another question here before uh, before we kind of end. You know, with with all of your years of experience, you've been in different different industries. You've uh, studied different subjects over the years. You've traveled around the world. You've experienced life. I mean, really to the fullest. You you really have lived a full life. I'm curious what what is the greatest thing that you have learned that would serve people that are listening today, right now, who are looking to identify who they are, how they could show up more in their life of more of who they were created to be more, more of this, this identity that needs to be lived out rather than maybe some of the identities that people are putting on them. What would you say to someone? What, what is one of the greatest lessons that you've learned that would encourage anyone listening today? I call it the physics of God. Physics are truths. Okay. Gravity, you know, uh, in order to overcome gravity, um, we got to do a lot. You got to have wings. You got to have thrust. Just really way out in order to um, to overcome gravity. You can do it, um, but um, it's taken a long time to get there. In the same sense, if the things that God says are true, and I find all of decent uh, leadership elements throughout the Proverbs. Um, you just amazing things throughout that. Those are the physics of God. Okay. You do what is true and it works again, that reading one hour a day. Okay. 365 hours in a year. 
Okay, it takes what six to eight hours to read a book today, and they've gotten smaller. I've noticed. Um, but if it takes ten hours to make math simple. That's thirty-six point five books. That's a bunch of reading for one yeah. hour a day. Um, that's a physics element that that proves itself true at the end of that time, and it it proves itself true at the end of each of the books too, because you've learned at least that element. So, um, it's understanding the way things work, the truth of it. You you follow a path that's wrong, that's and it'll have a bad outcome. Okay, um, you, you surround yourself with people that are um, bad counselors you get bad information um, and your outcome is bad. Um, the key is to understand what truth really is. Um, search it out, find it out, find out what really truth. If what I'm saying is true, do it. If it's not true, find out what is true and do it. Um, that's the key. And I don't mean your truth and my truth. Um, there is a truth and it's important to know that. So it's, it's really to, to understand what the physics of God are, what the truth of, of good leadership is, what your personality is, who you are, who God's made you to be. And therefore, once you know, oh, I see, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've said, wow, that's why I'm that way, because that's my personality. It's the, you know, the way I was formed, basically, the things I picked up from all the different things around me, et cetera. That, that's who I am from a personality mm. point of view. And that's not going to change so much. My desires aren't going to change so much in that. Um, and I need to understand the weaknesses as weaknesses and make them strong. And I need to, to keep the strengths not too strong, uh, as you mentioned. Um, and I need to do the things that I need to do in a, to accomplish what it is that I want. And I, and I need to have a coach. Everyone yeah. needs a coach. Um, to help them with the tough things, uh, to show them when, they're, when, don't, when I don't have eyes to see, I need someone else's eyes to see for me um, mm -hmm. and ask the right questions and get me to thinking and lead me um, into the, a good way. I love that you say the coach aspect because I think most people still don't understand kind of what a coach is. I think mm -hmm. they have that that stereotypical understanding of what a coach is, you know, it's the football coach, it's the, you know, cheerleading coach or whatever it is, they're going to tell me exactly what I need to do. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because as I've grown as a coach, you know, I, I started with the understanding of like, oh, the coach is going to tell you what to do and you just do it. Hmm. And then after going through certification and training and starting to understand, oh, well, coaching actually is about trying to help the person actually think through their problems not give them the answers, mm -hmm. but help them to discover those answers for themselves. Discover. And then at, at a certain point, I started to become coach and mentor. And I started to say, you know, there are some things here that I can, I can illuminate some learning that will help you in navigating this portion of your life. You don't have to take it, but I want you to think about this and it gives a little bit of a deeper knowledge and understanding. I, I almost like to say it's wisdom coming in and I say, you know, Hey, I want you to think about this, think about this in your life. And I, I love that you say, find a coach because it is true. It, you could, you could start with any coach to get started, but make sure you find a coach that's going to cause you to think, not only cause you to think, but cause you to change the way that you're showing up in your life, because I think we all need someone like that in our life. And I have been so fortunate and lucky to have coaches 
all around me for the last 10 years. I mean, Royce, you were a coach in my life, whether you know it or not, but that moment sitting in Guatemala in the lobby, you were a coach that saw something in me. You spoke into me. You helped me to become more aware of how I can change and move forward. And because of that, because of that interaction, I went back out the next day. I went back out the next day after that. And I continued to hone my skill. I wasn't great, but I got better. And that's one of the great things about us as coaches. We understand that everyone that we work with can become better. We see them in their fullest potential of what they could be. And we say, hey, what if? Tell us what would happen if you were to take these steps. And that's what I love about being surrounded by coaches. If you, if you, if you're listening right now, go find a coach, whoever it is, go, go look up Royce. Uh, you can, you can look up my website. You can look up, you know, the number of people that have been on the show so far. There's, there's a few coaches that have been on that no matter who you pick, they're going to see things inside of you and draw those to the surface so that you can actually start to live your life in a way that is in alignment with God. My brother, uh, I love you so much. I thank you so much for being on the on the show, um, for sharing your life, sharing your journey, sharing your wisdom. There's so much. Uh, I hope you guys go back, listen to this over and over again. Make sure you share, like, and subscribe to the podcast. And to all of you listening, I want you to remember to be more, see more, and experience more than before.